Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's the Cleveland Guardians 6, the Kansas City Royals 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And yes, the Guardians get back to winning last night. They snap the big losing streak. They come up with an extra innings win, a 6-5 to five over the Royals. I'm happy. I'm happy about it. I'm excited about it. But, there is a but. Did it really feel like a playoff team rolling into town and just, you know, running over the bottom, you know, bottom of the division, Kansas City Royals? Or did it feel like the Kansas City Royals were a little more our speed than the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles right now? Right? Didn't it, didn't it feel a little bit like, uh, Okay, we're back in the American League Central where we belong. Uh, I mean, if you look at the standings, man, those wild card wild card teams are running away with things. Even the Baltimore Orioles are four and a half games back of the wild card at seventy plus wins. I mean, there is stiff, stiff competition in the American League this year, and it just feels like the American League Central is just dragging behind. They're only going to have one playoff team, the division winner. And, I mean, it's looking right now like it's going to be like 86 wins to take the division. That's, I mean, it's not the brightest year for the American League Central. So, uh, there have been stronger years and whatever. You know, a win is a win. Let's get into the baseball game. Let's enjoy it. They're, they're saying all the right things, right? In the post game, I guess they, on the bus ride over, they had a little team meeting, or at least they were talking, and... They're they're not hanging their heads. They're not, you know, feeling it after getting beat up by Baltimore and Seattle. They still feel like they're a competitive team that's going to win the division, that has a chance to make the playoffs. So, okay, let's ride with it. Let's go with it. And one of those things, one of the keys of those things, if you want to be the division winner, you got to beat up on the weakest teams in your division. So they did their job. They beat the Kansas City Royals in this one. Let's get into the storylines of this game and how it went down. And then we got an email uh, sitting in the inbox that we will get to about Miles Straw. So, top storyline of this game, is it is it extra innings? It's, it's kind of got to be extra innings, right? I mean, this whole game, we'll get to how they end up in a 4-4 tie. But they make it. They make it to extra innings. And uh, the Guardians are able to come through. And Classe is able to get the ground balls he needs in the 10th inning to win this thing. So they, uh, they've they got Carlos Hernandez on the mound for them uh, in the top of the 10th inning. They decide with Ahmed Rosario starting at second base, they decide to intentionally walk Jose Ramirez. Can't fault them for that one. I mean, why would you want to pitch to Ramirez with a base open, with a runner on second base? Seems like a terrible way to start off the 10th inning. So they decide, okay. We'll pitch to the uh, to the power hitters after Ramirez and try to avoid Jose Ramirez. Well, it works against Josh Naylor. He pops it up. Or he flies out to center field. The runners can't advance. Flies out to center field. Uh, so, yeah. So, now they've got, you know, a force situation set up. They've got a double play to get out of the inning set up. They, it actually looks like it might work for a second until first pitch to Oscar Gonzalez. First pitch. He gets a breaking ball down. He gets a knuckle curve. Does uh, Carlos Hernandez throw it? He does throw a slider, 
He does throw one, but he decides to go with the knuckle curve instead. You know, it's a righty-righty matchup, and Oscar Gonzalez, the sliders down and away are something he struggles with, but they decide to go with the knuckle curve first pitch. It's another low breaking ball, and once again, Oscar Gonzalez comes up two days in a row with a big hit off a low breaking ball. He muscles it out into left center field, 101.4 mile per hour exit velocity, 409 feet to the base of the wall in deep Kauffman Stadium. And I'm in Jose Ramirez, great base running. Ahmed Rosario scores easily from second, but Jose Ramirez read this play and was right on his heels. I mean, other base runners, maybe some unexperienced rookie base runners on this team, might have held up around second base to see if this was going to get caught by Michael Taylor out in center field. But it was pretty clear that Taylor kind of gave up on this thing, was going to play it off the wall, and Jose Ramirez was flying around third base. There was no chance that he wasn't going to score on this thing. So a two-RBI double, two-RBI, one-out double by Oscar Gonzalez is the big hit the Guardians need. And there's a big difference now in the way they set up these extra innings rules. There's a big difference between a one-run inning and a two-run inning. So the Royals do us a favor. They put Jose Ramirez on base. You know, you never know what would have happened, but they put Jose Ramirez on base, and it allows Oscar Gonzalez to drive in two runs with his double instead of just one. So the Guardians take the 6-4 to four lead. They go into the bottom of the inning, and immediately uh, Melendez hits a single and drives in that runner from second. Now, if we go over to the illustrator for Emmanuel Classe, you know, he's kind of throwing that cutter high and low. He's throwing the slider, keeping it down at the knees. But there's two little pitches here. Two little cutters, dead center of the plate, right at the thighs. Guess which are the two balls that got hit for singles against Emmanuel Classe? Yep, these two cutters right here, smack dead center of the plate, almost isolated by all the other pitches around it. Uh, two right down the pipe. So Classe's cutter is good, but even his cutter, when middle of the plate, uh, you know, can't avoid being hit for a base hit. So Melendez immediately drives in this run, but the good thing about Emmanuel Classe is he can get a ground ball. And Bobby Witt Jr. takes a first pitch cutter, grounds it to second base and Andres Jimenez, and they turn the double play Beautiful stuff right there. That's why Ramirez's run was so important in the top of the inning. Uh, so they get the double play. O'Hearn, though, follows that up with a first pitch single. Man, they were being very aggressive against Colossae's cutter. Swinging first pitch, two batters in a row. So he gets a sung- single through to left fielder Stephen Kwan. And then uh, Nick Prado comes up. It takes him to the third pitch. Uh, it takes the first cutter for a called strike. Takes another one down below the knees. Comes back up and in, same location as that first one, and he uh, hits it weakly, weakly towards first base. Classe is actually able to run it down. Not Classe is not the best athlete out there, let's be honest, and he can't really flip it to first base. He decides, I'm like three steps away from the bag. I'm just going to take it there myself. And it is maybe the most bang-bang bang play you will ever see at first base. That might be the closest play at first base you're ever going to see. They called safe initially on the field. They go back and review it. And yes, Classe's toes do come down. I mean, their heels hit at almost the same time. But Classe's toes come down on the bag 
just a hair in front of Prado's. So that's it. The review calls it. It's the final out of the game. Classe is celebrating on the mound. And he's pumped up, high-fiving with Maley. And, uh, yeah, he gets the save, picks up his uh, 31st save on the season, and the Guardians walk away in extra innings. I mean, it all boiled down to that. Now, how we got there is interesting. But, man, I mean, once you get into a 4-4 game, once you're going to extra innings, it kind of feels like the whole storyline of the game kind of boils down into that 10th inning. And the 10th inning does exactly what it's supposed to do. It ends the game quickly. Uh, and gets them out of there before they have to burn through more pitchers. Considering Cleveland's bullpen was already pretty taxed going into this thing. I'm sure Francona was very glad this thing did not go past 10 innings when it had to go to extra innings. Uh, And once again, the away team kind of feels like they have the advantage in this situation, right? They're able to put that mark up on the board first. Uh, And it, it does. It feels like they have the advantage when it comes to extra innings every time. So, uh, all right, how did we get to this situation? Well, the Guardians were hitting on this night. The Guardians' offense was rolling. Everybody in the starting lineup didn't necessarily get a hit, but found a way to contribute. Austin Hedges is the only one in the lineup without a hit, but he was able to do a, uh, a sacrifice bunt that brought in an RBI run. So he contributes at RBI. So everybody in the starting lineup figures out a way to contribute. A multi-hit game from Stephen Kwan at the top of the order. Once again, this guy kills Kansas City Royals pitching. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Against the Kansas City Royals this season, he's a 474 hitter with a 1259 OPS. Unbe- 575 on base percentage against the Kansas City Royals. Just insanity. Seven walks to zero strikeouts against the Kansas City Royals on the season. Just crazy stuff right there from Stephen Kwan. And two hits and a walk in this one. Now, at Coffin Stadium, it's about the same numbers. It's a 484 batting average, a 1256 OPS, a 579 on base. Because most of the games he's played have been at Coffman Stadium. I, I'm guessing there were some games earlier in the season where he didn't face them at home. Remember... They were rotating him a little bit earlier in the season before he really established himself as our leadoff hitter. And then we got a bunch of games canceled. We end the season against Kansas City. And then the season the season series that was supposed to be played at the beginning of the season is tacked on to the end of the season now. So we're going to have six home games against them at Progressive Field to end the season. So look for Stephen Kwan to go off in the final week of the season. Uh, really make a run at that rookie of the year. He can't pick a better team to face than the Kansas City Royals. That is his team right now. Uh, so, yeah. So, Quan keeps it rolling with two hits and a walk. But, unfortunately, to start the game, Ahmed Rosario grounds into another double play. And Twitter was all over him. Guardians Twitter was all over him. Rosario is in the top 25. And he's the 11th in all of baseball for grounding into double plays. I actually thought it would be higher than that. He's grounded into 16 double plays at this point. Brendan Rodgers from Colorado is grounded into 24 double plays. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 22, and then things start to even out. Josh Bell uh, in 19, uh, and then a bunch of guys at 18, a bunch of guys at 17, and he's tied with J.D. Martinez in Boston for 11th in baseball with 16 grounded into double plays. 
I agree with Guardians Twitter. I'm kind of done with Ahmed Rosario hitting second if he's just going to keep grounding Quan into double plays, right? It's just next season, if Ahmed Rosario is still the shortstop next season, you got to drop this guy down for two reasons. One, the ground into double plays are really killing us, especially because Ramirez comes up, gets a hit, and then Naylor flies out to end the rally in the first. But you've got to get Andres Jimenez up into the top three in this batting order. Next year, they should come out. If it were me, if I were drawing up the lineup card, I would do it now. But if it were me, I would go Quan Ramirez batting second. The switch hitter batting second makes a lot of sense. Andres Jimenez batting third. That makes a ton of sense. Then you can go Oscar Gonzalez or Josh Naylor batting fourth if you don't care about lefty-lefty. And then whatever you got to do from there. That makes a ton of sense. Rosario can hit fifth, sixth, still can hit his singles, but yeah, in high leverage situations, and you will see late in this game, high leverage situations, Ahmed Rosario struggles. And I just, yeah, you got to move him out of that two hole. You got to. It's, it's, it worked earlier in the season when those guys were just completely locked in and just mashing the ball. But Rosario has cooled off, and it's not working right now with him hitting second. So I don't expect Terry Francona to make the move in season. I don't expect him to, to pull the trigger on a move like that you know, with a month left in this season. But next year, going into next year, if Rosario's still on this team, if he's still the shortstop, you've got to move him down and get Andres Jimenez into that top three. Jimenez had a great game in this one. He kind of sparks two rallies. He scores two runs on this game. Uh, so he sparks a rally in the second inning, and it's all about opposite field hitting in this rally off Brady Singer. With one out, he shoots a line drive to left fielder Kyle Isbell. Uh, he takes a slider away on the outside edge that's up at the thighs. It's a perfect pitch. A backdoor slider is a perfect pitch to hit opposite field. So it's a beautiful job of hitting by Andres Jimenez. Tyler Freeman comes up. He gets a fastball, a sinker, down the middle, up at the, at the letters, and he shoots it the opposite way. This is the Tyler Freeman we were expecting, the guy that just makes contact, hits it where they're not. It's a 69.4 mile per hour exit velocity, but they were shifted over. They had their second baseman basically behind, set up behind the bag and put a huge hole on the right side for Tyler Freeman to shoot the ball through. So uh, Tyler Freeman does that, and Andres Jimenez heads up play, goes all the way around a third. Then Austin Hedges is not messing around first pitch, Lays down the sacrifice bunt, the uh, safety squeeze, Andres Jimenez. He's able to get it, push it up the first base line perfectly. I love doing it on the first pitch. Let's see if it works. If you foul it off on the first pitch, hey, we reset and we, we keep going at this at bat. But it works. He's able to shoot it up the first base line. Brady Singer has no choice. He can't throw home. He just tags out Austin Hedges in the baseline. And Andres Jimenez comes in and scores the first run of the game. Then Miles Straw with the runner on second. Miles Straw actually gets a hit. He goes opposite field. I talked about this a few days ago. When you're in a slump like this, be patient. Go opposite field. He gets two sinkers in a row at the knees, and he takes the second one and shoots it into right field at 97.1. A really nice line drive shot from Miles Straw. We need to see a few more of these from Miles Straw if he's going to stay in the batting order. I can't crush him too hard today. He does go two for four on the day, 
but he's still in his last seven games is hitting below 200. In his last 15 games, in his last 30 games, he's still hitting below 200. So uh, he had two hits on this one, including an RBI here in the second inning. Uh, we did get an email. While I'm talking about Miles Straw, let's jump over to the emails because Ken emailed in, and he is very frustrated with Straw. He says, I know Straw is a long-term contract, but does management have any options? Trade, you know, send him down to the minors. Uh, can he be, uh, can they just cut him? Uh, anything to give Benson an opportunity to play any day, every day. Benson or Will Brennan, who's stuck down at AAA, or, you know, soon George Valera is going to be gunning for one of these outfield spots. So can I, no, they, unless they want to eat the money, no, I mean, they, that's the problem with this contract they signed with him. We were all excited about it at first because he was so good defensively in center field. We didn't think he was going to drop off this much. I mean, if he's a 240 hitter in the ninth spot and playing fantastic defensive center field, I think we would live with it, right? A 600-some OPS, drawing walks, uh, hitting 240-ish. Like, we would live with that for his defense. But, yeah, there are some great there are some potentially great hitting outfielders coming through this system. Now, it's going to take some time. They might not all pop off like Quan does in his rookie year. It might take some time. But there are some really, really talented outfielders coming. And we're now struck, stuck kind of with this straw contract. You're right. So unless they're willing to eat the money, I mean, if they release them, they still got to pay them. If they relegate them to the minors, I think they still have to pay them. You know, they signed the contract. So, yeah, unless someone wants, like you say in your email here, Ken, a weak-hitting uh, center fielder, uh, it's going to be really tough to figure out what to do with this guy. But he comes through with two hits on the day. So uh, I agree with you, Ken, but I don't have any better solutions than you do. I mean, they're kind of stuck with the money. We'll see what happens in the offseason. We'll see in spring training next year if any of those AAA outfielders really push for the major league roster like Quan did, like we've seen Tyler Naquin do in the past. Um, we'll see if any of them really state a case for themselves that they need to break camp with the team, and then they'll force their hand on Miles Straw even more. So it's going to be a long offseason, Ken, but I don't think we're going to see anything done with Straw until the offseason. Uh, as, as ruthless as Antonetti and Chernoff have been this season, they have been pretty fair about giving, you know, passing on guys when they're done with them, right? They 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 easily passed on, uh, oh boy, I'm going to blank on everybody's name. The other uh, center fielder who wasn't hitting, who ended up going to Toronto, and I think even Toronto released it, Bradley Zimmer, uh, Yu Chang, right? They just, they moved on from those guys and they went with what was in the minors. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen this late in the season though. So they have a nice 2-0 lead. Unfortunately, it doesn't hold up because the old home run ball comes back to bite Tristan McKenzie. He just cannot stop it with those home runs. And it's Drew Waters who has not had a home run in his major league career. The former uh, Atlanta Braves top prospect. You know, someone who was talked about in those old Francisco Lindor trades that were always bouncing around. Drew Waters was one of those names. With uh, Christian Pache, the the outfielders from Atlanta who were their top prospects. And he's made his way to Kansas City now. He finally has made it into the majors. He's only hitting 237, but he gets McKenzie twice in this game on breaking balls that are sitting middle of the plate. He gets them twice. He gets them with a double 
in the uh, third inning that doesn't turn into a run, but gets him with a double uh, on a on a uh, slider that sits middle of the plate, right at the belt, and then gets him with a curveball. Uh, again, middle of the plate, right at the belt. This one is dead center of the plate. This curveball could not be more middle of the plate. And Waters takes advantage of it. He hits it 105.2 miles per hour. It's a two-run home run for him. Uh, out uh, 400 feet. Uh, I believe he pulled this one out to right field. So Drew Waters with a big home run after uh, Massey had walked to start the inning. So a walk and a home run. Two things that just kill Guardians pitchers come back to bite McKenzie in this fifth inning. Uh, And you'll see a walk would be a problem for a lot of the Royals' runs. So a walked guy comes home on the Drew Waters, the first home run of his career. Uh, and then the Guardians, the thing is, we talk about it all the time, right? As a pitcher, you've got to defend that lead. They can't do it in the sixth inning. Brady Singer immediately gives up a home run to Josh Naylor. He takes the second pitch of his at-bat, and he hammers one off of Brady Singer. 106.3 miles per hour to center field. It's the second pitch of the at-bat. Misses with a changeup high on the first one. Drops a slider out over the plate that just... Man, this happened a few times to both starting pitchers where they just left breaking balls spinning right there in the middle of the plate. And uh, this thing, again, at the thighs, out over the plate, and he hammers it 106.3, 421 out to center field. So immediately, Brady Singer has a 2-2 tie game and immediately gives up that lead. 3-2 now, Guardians, and they don't stop there. They are able to tack on after the solo home run and really make it a nice inning. Uh, Andres Jimenez again sparks another rally. He shoots a double down the right field line this time. No going opposite field. He jumps on one at 101.5 miles per hour. Uh, And then they try to pick him off at second base. They throw it wildly into center field. He moves up to third. And then Tyler Freeman putting in the work, getting the job done. Sack fly into center field. A nice manufactured run. And what should have been an insurance run. It turns out it wasn't. Uh, So they put up two runs in that sixth inning, and immediately, Royals had just tied it up, and immediately they blow it back out to a two-run lead. Now, would it hold up? No, it would not hold up. But (laughs) it's a good job by the Guardians' offense. Unfortunately, McKenzie walks the leadoff hitter again. Back-to-back innings, he walks the leadoff hitter, and that runner comes around to score and makes him pay. So Bobby Witt Jr. takes the walk this time after Salvador Perez would fly out. Prado hits a ground ball to first base, and Naylor makes a bad decision with it. He has no angle where he feels this ball, where he can throw cleanly to second base. He's trying to throw around the runner, Bobby Witt Jr. It's not that he didn't have time. It's just when you look down at second base and you can't even see the bag, you can't see the guy covering the bag, where are you going to throw the ball? He should have ate it. He should have just stepped on first base. Instead, he tries to throw out Bobby Witt, throws it into the outfield, Wick goes all the way to third. Uh, I think uh, Prado stays at first base. And then Michael Taylor is able to deliver a sack fly into center field. And it brings in Bobby Witt Jr. to score. So, McKenzie, they get out of the inning. Uh, they have to go to the bullpen here. They bring in Sam Henches, and he's able to get Massey to ground out to end the threat. But uh, McKenzie was up at 100 pitches. He was really battling. 
that walk to lead off, and then the error uh, just do him in, so he can't necessarily protect the lead. The Kansas City Royals answer right back with a run of their own in the bottom of the sixth inning. So we talk about it all the time. Being able to put up a zero after your team score is such an important thing in this game, and neither starter can really do it here in the fifth and sixth innings. So, uh, you know, Henches would pitch good in relief. He would he'd be able to handle the next inning uh, and shut down the Kansas City Royals 1-2-3. And in fact, strikeout, strikeout, ground out. Henches, I'm telling you, has been really good. Really, really good. Let's let's give Henches a little credit here. How does he get his strikeout? Uh, what were his results on this? He gets uh, one strikeout via a curveball dropped in for a called strike and then uh, gets the other one. Man, two curveball called strike strikeouts for uh, Sam Henches, just dropping them uh, to the to the arm side of the plate for him. Uh, and then he gets the grounder on a slider and a four-seam fastball. Uh, gets Nicky Lopez to ground out to end the seventh. However, uh, Sandlin can't hold the game in the uh, eighth inning. He gives up a big RBI hit to Salvador Perez. It's a slider that's down below the knees. Frankly, I mean, it's not a terrible location, but but they were set up down in a way, and it did come down middle of the plate. It was down below the knees. I mean, Perez really had to go down and get this thing, but middle of the plate, he's able to shoot it down the line for a double, an RBI double. Uh, you know, if this thing actually is outside where the catcher is set up, is he able to get around on that thing in the same way? Probably not. He's probably fouling it off, grounding out. Uh, He's not going to be able to make contact with it like he can here. So the eighth inning, they're able to tie it up. The ninth inning, the top of the ninth, the Guardians have an opportunity. They get guys on in that ninth inning. Uh, Straw with a two-out single to keep the game alive. Stephen Kwan draws his walk. Straw had stole second base, so he was already in scoring position. It brings up Ahmed Rosario. And he strikes out badly, badly. It's a bad strikeout from Ahmed Rosario. Uh, I mean, they were just pounding him away. It's Scott Barlow uh, throwing uh, sliders away. Uh, Starts him off with a first pitch slider on the middle of the plate. He actually fouls off, or the inside edge of the plate. Comes back with a four-seam fastball up and away. Goes outside of the strike zone and fouls it off. Lays off a curveball in the dirt, but then chases a slider in almost the exact same spot. If you laid off the curve, what the heck are you doing chasing the slider out there? So a slider down and away. I mean, we all could have guessed it was coming. He expands the strike zone, chases that slider. They were both check swings. He's able to hold up on the curve. He cannot hold up on this slider. Uh, Whether he goes or not, it it was actually he snapped a lot harder at that slider, so it's a lot harder to tell if he actually broke the plane. But yeah, he he wanted to chase this ball. We all know he wanted to chase this ball. Uh, And yeah, the ump probably makes the right call here by calling him out. So they get Ahmed Rosario in the ninth inning, but like we started the show with, the Guardians are able to come up with their heroics in the tenth inning. So the Guardians come up with a win, but it was a battle. I mean, it was a heck of a battle. Uh, Also in this ninth inning, a huge defensive play from Bobby Witt Jr. off of uh, Tyler Freeman to start things off. Bobby Witt Jr. making an amazing diving stop to his right into foul territory and then fires a missile. 
I don't care what the exit velocity was. I don't care about the launch angle. I want to know what the throw speed was. Come on, StatCast. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they have it in their data. We'll never know. Uh, but, I mean, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. throws an absolute missile to nail the speedy Tyler Freeman at first base to kick off that ninth inning. So it could have been a completely different ninth inning. We may not have needed the extras, but we're able to get it done. Eli Morgan survives the bottom of the ninth inning. I know there were a lot of people on Guardians Twitter who were not excited about seeing Eli Morgan coming in, trying to protect a 4-4 tie in the ninth inning. He does give up a hit, but he's able to get out of it. He's able to limit the damage uh, and survive that one base runner. Gets out of the ninth, and then we set Class A up for the 10th inning. So it's a good job. Our bullpen holds together. But yeah, Sandlin does give up the tying run. Honestly, it was a great piece of hitting by Salvador Perez. More than it was some bad pitching by Nick Sandlin. Um, so I got to give credit where credit is due there to the Royals hitters. But the bullpen is able to hold it together, right? We we hung on long enough to get this win. Uh, McKenzie doesn't get the win. It goes to Eli Morgan, actually, for holding things down in the ninth inning. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this was a fun game. There was a lot going on in this game. There was a lot of details and nuance. And, uh, you know, Tristan McKenzie was good when he was keeping his breaking ball away from the middle of the plate. I mean, he only gives up three hits on this thing and two earned runs. It's a really, it was a strong game from Tristan McKenzie. Five and two-thirds. He can't quite get through that sixth inning. Uh, He's up at 101 pitches. His final line, five and two-thirds, three hits, three runs, two earned. Two walks that both come in to score, five strikeouts, one home run on 101 pitches. He's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Uh, But more than anything else, the Guardians offense, you know, obviously the Royals pitching is not what Baltimore and Seattle's pitching is. Uh, Brady Singer goes six innings, nine hits, four runs, three earned, no walks, only one strikeout, and the solo home run allowed on 93 pitches. He's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. So, yeah, a big difference for those Guardians hitters. That's what you need. You need to face a Royals every now and then to kind of reset offensively, find yourself. Hopefully, they keep this offensive momentum going when they have to face the Minnesota Twins, right? And they're really battling. By the way, we take back control of the American League Central with Minnesota and the White Sox now nipping at our heels. The White Sox won two, so they stay two games back. The Twins are at one game back after falling to the Yankees and Judge, who hit another home run. I mean, I'm I'm not watching Yankees games, but I mean, it's definitely blowing up my timeline, blowing up my newsfeed anytime Judge hits a home run. So I'm very aware of what's happening in New York. I mean, it it doesn't feel like it has that same. Uh, man, it doesn't have that same national momentum that the home run chase did when it was Maguire and Sosa. Maybe it's because Maguire and Sosa were chasing each other at the same time that they were chasing, uh, you know, Ruth and Mantle. But it just doesn't feel like the same. It has that same grip over the nation that that home run chase did in the 90s. So uh, we'll see if Judge can get there. So definitely keep your eye on Yankees games. Um you know, for the rest of this season, you know, keep watch your guardians, but keep an eye on what's going on in New York to see if he really can get up there and be the first player in a long time, not suspected of steroids to actually hit that 60 home run mark. So we'll see what happens there. 
Uh, MVP on the day for the Guardians. Ooh, this is a tough one. Ooh, I want to give it to Andres Jimenez for setting up two runs, you know, starting two rallies in this game. You know, I am. I'm going to give it. Oscar Gonzalez had a huge RBI hit in the 10th inning. Uh, it's a question of a guy who kind of does it at two points in the game versus a guy who has that one big moment at the end of the game, right? When you're handing out that MVP trophy. I think I've got to give it to Andres Jimenez because he does set up two separate rallies throughout this game uh, and really is a driving force in the Guardians' offense uh, throughout this game, including the double, you know, being aggressive on the base paths. Uh, he really was impactful on this game. So, uh, yeah, with that, Andres Jimenez, uh, for your two runs scored, for your two rallies started, you are taking home MVP on the day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. It was nice to go out there and get this win, do what we're supposed to do against the Royals, and uh, bring home the W, take back the division, you know, control of the Central Division. And, you know, even if we are an 86-win division winner, get me to the playoffs let's get some playoff baseball anything can happen it's gonna be a even playing at home even with the three game home field advantage in that wild card round against these wild card teams it is gonna be a real uphill battle but we'll see what we can do just get me come on guardians get me to those playoffs i want some playoff baseball all right the final again from kansas city it's the guardian six the royals five in extra innings you can follow me on twitter at davy barris you can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show also i'm hosting this podcast on anchor so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash cleveland baseball mornings you can leave a voicemail for the show we'll play them back in the air respond to your thoughts and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball so thanks again for joining me on this cleveland baseball morning we